Welcome to the Culture Builders podcast channel, looking at how individual and team performance builds strong cultures. Hosted by Jane Sparrow and Chris Preston. You are listening to a deep dive episode. Hello, my name's Jane Sparrow, founder at Tuddle and its sister company, The Culture Builders. And I'm here today with someone that I had a chance conversation with at a social event that led to a fascinating discussion around well-being and the impact it can have when you start paying attention, all because of a London University study. Stephen Bailey, thank you for joining me today after our conversation at the community event a few months ago. Thank you, Jane. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm a great believer that conversations happen for a reason and very often they leave you either inspired or informed or with some kind of new connection. And and that's exactly what came out of our chat a little while ago. But Stephen perhaps can introduce himself a little bit more and what he does. He's a designer and maker. So tell us, Stephen, what does that actually mean? Well, after a, a first career in uh, commercial property investment and development, I was given the opportunity to go and do exactly what I'd always really wanted to do, which was to design and, and make bespoke wooden furniture. So at that point, I retrained and set up a small business about 12 years ago now. So it's very much a business that seeks to identify people that have a particular requirement for a piece of furniture. So I will then engage with them to work up designs that suit their their particular needs. And then through a process of collaboration, end up on end up with a design that is, is going to meet their exact requirements. And then I will go and, and make it. So it's a, a business that I relish. I, I love all three strands of the process, really, which include the customer management and the business side of the work, the design side, and also the making side. So it keeps me very happy. And I can see that just looking at your face as you're speaking. And But it does mean that you work predominantly alone, am I right? Apart from when you're doing the customer engagement and collaborating on the design. Yes, I, I have a strong interface with my customers. Um, so I'm seeing them a, a lot. And I also do engage with, with other furniture makers and upholsterers in connection with my work. But yes, you're right, Jane. It, it's predominantly... a a solitary pursuit and so I I do need to make sure that my time alone is balanced by time with other people outside work. Yeah which is exactly why you got involved in this study I believe. So let's let's hear more about it. So London University are, are doing a study and you get talking to somebody and start to get involved. So just tell us a little bit more around the background. It's all around well-being as I understand it. That's, that's right. I, I was um, approached by a very clever and extremely personable chap by the name of William Barnes, who's doing a PhD at Royal Holloway College, part of London University. And the focus of his work is about the impact of work practices on uh, mental well-being. And I think that the pandemic has probably spawned quite a lot of studies in that area, 
But what made uh, William's work particularly interesting is that he has brought together the combined impact of uh, homeworking with self-employment and thirdly, self-employment in a creative industry. And it's those three strands that have really focused his attention and the work that I do seemed to fit exactly that, that blueprint and it was a pleasure to be able to help him. And I find that fascinating because so much of the research that we see and the work that we come across and the businesses we work with, it's about thinking well-being on a, on a sort of bigger scale, bigger teams or organisations. And of course, as you say, there's a huge need to make sure that people that are self-employed, perhaps working on their own or collaborating every now and then with others, are just as intentional and look after their well-being as others. Because actually no one else is going to do it for you, are they? That's exactly right. I think it's been an area that has been neglected in previous research studies. And he was certainly able to convince the Economic and Social Research Council that it was work worth undertaking because he did get funding over a three-year period. And I know they're looking forward to seeing his results. As, as are we all. So as they're not all. out yet. Is that, is that right? Yeah, the, the, the work is still underway. And I, I, I don't believe that his full thesis is due for publication until next September. Although he is hoping to release a, an interim report in the new year. But what impressed me, or one of the things that impressed me about um, William's approach, was that he wanted to make it a, a practical study and was keen to find ways to ensure that the results of his labours were going to manifest themselves in real benefit for people who do work on their own, like I do. And I know that you got huge benefit from just being part of the study, which is what I find fascinating. And I wanted to make sure we shared with people listening, because it's not just what you gave him that is useful and will, will help inform how we help others in the self-employed world with their well-being. But it's actually the impact it had on you. So tell us about what, how did you get involved? What did you need to do and what happened? Well, there was quite a clear structure that William was able to give me at, at the outset. I was one of a number of people that he wanted to use as case studies to inform his research work. And the involvement he described as being threefold. One was a, a request that I undertake a, a video diary at the end of each working day over a period of three weeks. He requested that I complete two separate questionnaires and the whole study was then going to be concluded with a, an interview. But the, the purpose of all those different strands were really to sort of delve into how my working day, what was happening in my work that impacted on the way that I felt. And it was quite a an eye-opening experience for me, really, because I, I'm sure that I've <laughs> let most of my working, indeed other life, just taking for granted how I feel, the way I feel is the way that I am, without really uh, seeking to, to analyse how events can determine how I feel. And by drawing that link, then, of course, gives the, the lead to be able to do something about how I work or the impact of work on you know my moods and 
how positive I, I might be or how optimistic I am. The emotional element is more critical, I've discovered, than perhaps I'd given credit to at the outset. So here we are at the end of each day, you do a little video diary of, I think you said to me before, around three minutes or so maximum. But what did that give you? Because I'm intrigued to know the kind of things that you talked about on that three minute video and, and actually the process you went through during the day. Well, knowing that I had a video diary to uh, undertake at the end of the day, I, I did keep the odd note to remind me of, of my different uh, experiences uh, during the day. And one thing that really surprised me was, you know, how much goes on and what those, uh, the extent of those different influences actually have. I mean, for example, you know, there are processes that go well, there are processes that don't. That there are things that I like, there are things that I'm, you know, I'd rather not do. I, you know, it's lovely to get involved in, you know, the, preparing a, a curved rail for a, a, a table and making it look absolutely gorgeous. It's not so good standing by a machine and battering all the noise and the sawdust that is being produced as a result. There is use of time is, is always a, a big thing for me. So if I'm managing to make progress, then that is making me feel good. If I know that something is dragging and the hours are going by and there's not really much being produced, then that again can, can have a negative impact. Interruptions, distractions, what's going on in my life outside work can, can, can influence. And, you know, maybe it would be helpful if I was just to give one or two examples of uh, diary entries that I can particularly remember. Oh, I'd love that because I know when I get distracted when I'm in my flow, that really influences <laughs> how I feel. So yes, give us a couple of examples. During the, the course of the uh, the diary, I was uh, engaged in, in, in making a television cabinet and it had some lovely panels in it. And three of the, the four panels were really, the figure in the wood was delightful and I was very pleased with those. But there was one that had been, um, wasn't up to the same standard, but I'd managed to convince myself uh, earlier in the week that, that it was. And I battled in my mind for some time um, as to whether or not I was going to start again and replace this panel. And after a couple of days, I decided that that would be a good thing to do. And the whole of the, my outlook as far as that project was concerned totally changed. Yes, it cost me an extra day in construction, but suddenly that product, uh, uh, that project rather, uh, became very much more important to me. I felt that I was doing it as I should do it. And I'd moved away from just an irritation that was never going to go. That moment was recorded in the diary and I've learned lessons from it. On another occasion, I remember gluing up some work, which is the one stressful side of uh, furniture making when the glue grabs and components are not in the right place, can be a, a real ouch moment, as you say, Jane. And I was gluing up and you know, somebody had, had just wandered into the workshop to say hi. And I remember just being very frustrated that my time had been violated at this particular point. And it wasn't their fault and they were a delightful person and in, 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 um, 
In most instances, it would have been lovely to have had a discussion with them. But in this instance, it was such an irritation that I struggled to recover from it for, for some time. That is uh, a, another example. I, I remember talking on the video diary about uh, uh, routing some wood and the router grabbing the wood and chipped it very badly, which had put me back several days. And that had affected my mood. But on the other side of the coin, there are so many things that really motivate me, that feel, make me feel as if I'm doing exactly the right thing and make me feel very good. So often it's interfaced with my customers. You know, if I'm getting recognition for something that I've done and I've exceeded expectations, and somebody might be very happy about that, of course that is meat and drink to me, you know, and it's, it's, it's lovely and can affect my mood for, for, for quite some time. And, you know, when, when things do go well and you, you know, produce some work that you're, you're proud of, again, it's a lovely feeling and can, can impact for some time. So the number of examples that I can think of that I was able to explain in the video diary. And, you know, when you analyze them, there are lessons that can clearly be learned in all these things. So, you know, it's a, an analysis that has a tangible benefit. It really sounds like it. And often we say to people that awareness is the first step when it comes to well-being, you know, knowing exactly like you've been describing, what are the things that fill up your human bank account and what are the things that drain your human bank account? And really knowing that, step one, then doing something about it is step two. So I love the fact that it made you more, more aware and therefore more intentional and actually doing that for three weeks I'm wondering, as a result of that, did that almost become habitual? Okay, you didn't record the video diary anymore, but for a while after, and maybe even still now, did you find yourself being more aware of how you felt and what made you feel good and not, and maybe therefore putting yourself in situations that were more feel good than draining? Yes, I, I think when I feel good about what I'm doing, it's like you take it and you enjoy it. I think that the particular benefit for me has been when, when things haven't been going so well. And rather than just continue feeling a little bit down about something, it's, um, I, I've learned to, to just to, to stop and take 10 and to give a little bit of thought to, you know, why that was the case. And normally moods and feelings can be tracked back to events or situations and to understand what they are then you know allows you to either avoid those situations or to tackle them in a different way that is going to minimize the risk of those negative feelings um you know coming coming to the fore but it, it is I, th I think you know self-awareness generally is always a very good thing and you know of course i'm applying 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 this to to my work but you know it's it's just as important isn't it in in everything that we do yeah it really is and I, and the other thing that i find fascinating about this study and your involvement is the self-employed nature because as many people know if they're listening tuddle is our digital well-being and performance coach and it's designed for teams but actually you're not part of a team you're part of a relationship maybe with the customer but you, you haven't got a teammate that's going to recognize that maybe you're feeling a bit down or that's going to celebrate with you in the way that maybe other team structures have. But 
there was a community of you, as I understand, that were participating in this research. So did you share any of the, the insights that you'd got about awareness and intention with anyone else in the community? Well, the, the answer to that is no, but, but it's, it's, it's no, not yet. Um, I, I haven't met any of the other participants, but um, I do look forward to, to seeing the results of William's study because we, of course, can learn off each other. And this is where the toolkit that William mentions in terms of how people like me, you know, might be able to improve their mental well-being and, and consequently improve their performance. You know, I'm very much looking forward to, to, to learning from other people's experiences. Yeah, I, I will too. And to hear maybe whether there's a community that forms as a result, either of those people, or perhaps just within the self-employed world, being even better at creating communities so that you can support one another from a mental and a physical well-being perspective as well. Much of what you've talked about is how you were feeling and observing how you were feeling and that really helping you to be able to guide and be more intentional and manage your emotions, Stephen. But one of the other factors we always look at in terms of well-being and performance is motivation. And I'm wondering what insights you got from this study and from these three weeks around perhaps what motivates you and how as a self-employed individual, that self-starter, that kind of need to motivate yourself came back to the forefront of your mind. Yes, I think that's a, a really good good point. I mean, I um, I moved from commercial property into furniture making for various reasons, and I was very excited to, to have that change. And the the study that I got involved in, I think, helped remind me of what those initial intentions and motivations were because they're still very much with me and it would be wrong for me to forget that you know I'm very fortunate to do what I do I love doing what I do and it's um it's it's easy to think that when you're getting involved in a particular form of work that you know it's there's other things that could be good for you as well it's not the case with me I remember thinking feeling that there was huge differences in the corporate world that I used to be part of and what I do now. Honesty of my work is so refreshing. That's not to say the property industry is not honest. I'm not (laughs) wishing to imply that. But there are hiding places that people do take advantage of. But of course, if you're making a piece of furniture, there are no hiding places. You know, at the end of the day, you are judged on the results and there's no good there's no point in trying to tell somebody that something is good if it isn't and and that transparency and that honesty as I would describe it is something that I find hugely hugely refreshing the second point is um, about the passing of time I I suppose I've become more and more aware of, of, of time it's such a precious commodity and whereas the corporate world time disappears so fast and you look back and it's a sea of appraisals and spreadsheets and figures and reports and strategies and everything else and you look back and it's sort of all sort of manifests itself into to to a single entity i find with my woodwork that i've got something to show for the passing of time i i have my projects and I can see at the end of each day what has been achieved or what hasn't been achieved. 
and I keep very good records of, of everything that I have done and I set myself aims as far as uh, timescales are concerned. So it's nice to have that very of the moment view of life if, if you follow me and you know what the, the what the day has produced is, is, is there for me to see. And the third and final point I, I guess is very much about everybody's wish probably to exceed expectations, to make customers feel that they're the most important people and to produce a result at the end of a collaborative and very important process to then go away and make the piece of furniture that they that they want and to present it to them all going well you know that 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 the response that I get in 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 most instances is a, a response that I value hugely and at the end of the day makes absolutely everything worthwhile and just so lovely to hear what you get out of your work and a reminder through doing this study of what really motivates you. And it's making me thoughtful of what's my equivalent piece of woodwork at the end of each day? You know, what am I doing that makes me feel like I've contributed something really worthwhile? And I've got a metaphorical piece of woodwork to share at the end of the day. It's a, a possible habit I might adopt as a result of talking to you, Stephen. So thank you so much for joining us, Stephen. It's been wonderful to, to understand more about your experiences and what it gave you being part of the study and we look forward to perhaps inviting you back to to share the results of William's work next September. Well I very much enjoy that and I look forward to seeing you then. Thank you. Okay bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Continue the journey at www.theculturebuilders.com